Welcome into the Bear Down podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can listen to our show weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. The Bear Down podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the football season and the offseason. We're talking Bears football with you on this podcast. Coming at you today on a Tuesday as the Bears had their first preseason game on Saturday against Kansas City. The Bears win that football game, and now they have their set sight on game number two, which this week will be on Thursday, a trip to Seattle to face off against the Seahawks as we are in the middle of the preseason. It feels good to be talking about real football taking place. Yeah, there's some tape to break down, and there's some things to analyze, but I wouldn't get too crazy either way. I think what we can take away from Saturday's game against the Chiefs is that they didn't look great, but they also didn't look like horrible. You know, they looked pretty competent when getting the play into Justin Fields and him getting to the line and him executing the play. And I think that there were some good plays from Justin Fields. There were some bad plays from Justin Fields. The line was decent except for a couple plays. And I think, you know, the defense did get shredded on that first drive by the Chiefs. But again, you don't have a lot. You don't have all of your starters out there. It's the first preseason game. Now they're kind of at a disadvantage because this is a short week. The game is Thursday. And so, you know, uh, there's not really much practice this week. They practiced yesterday. They practiced today on Tuesday. Tomorrow's a travel day on Wednesday. And then the game is Thursday. And then you only have one game left. uh, And then the season starts. Like, we're, we're in it. Like, we're less than a month away. We are a few weeks away here from game one against the 49ers. Love it. And uh, this is the best part of the, the uh, summer into the football season because, like, now you can preview everything and now you can kind of actually start to sink your teeth into some of the conversation about the NFL. And that's why we love it so much. You know, it, it seems like there, there are many months on this podcast where you and I are just treading water. We're just waiting for the football season. Where oh, we here's can, some Madden we, rankings. We can start a full <laughs> swim, and that's what we're doing here. Uh, I think you nailed it. They looked competent on on Saturday. Offensively, play calling, uh, yeah, the results weren't necessarily there, but there weren't major mistakes. And it seemed like the communication between Getze and Fields and the rest of the offense was uh, was ready to go. They looked like an NFL team out there on the field, which I think a lot of people throughout this offseason, and I don't have specific names to go after, it just seems like there's a general consensus that this team's going to be a bunch of bumbling fools when we get to week one against San Francisco. You and I have been uh, strongly resistant to that ideological uh, stance when it comes to this football team this season. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know where we come from on that. Uh, we don't think they're they're going to, quote, be good. Uh, we think they're going to be a solid team that, that's around 500 for the majority of the season. I would imagine that Packer game, if you look on the schedule and you get through the season, that Packer game on December the 4th, I'm guessing they're going to be around 500 at that time, and it's going to be hyped up as a make-or-break game. Like, this team can really prove us something if they beat the Packers at home on December the 4th. They won't, and they're not going to prove to us that they're actually a good team this year. But I think up until that point, I think they're going to keep us interested, and they're going to keep us... Uh, definitely breaking down and talking and enjoying this football season. I think there's going to be some positive notes that we look forward to, and then there's also going to be the the rat the real uh, radical realization that 
this team does not have as much talent as other teams in the National Football League. But I think some of the back-end stuff of the coaching staff and, and some solidifying of the offensive line, hopefully that stuff takes shape for the future. And I think that's our kind of thesis on this team heading into this season. You know, like I, I feel like many people are assuming this team's just going to look like complete trash. I don't think that. I didn't get that from Saturday. No, and I, I feel like the people that are saying that they're going to be a two or three win team, or you see people, you know, on national TV saying that this team's going to have the worst record in the NFL and bet them to have the worst record in the NFL. And it's like, look, that's if they have the worst record in the NFL and they have the number one overall pick or second overall pick, that's not a like, I don't want to say that's not a good thing because, look, you've got a first overall pick and you're a second overall pick or whatever. Like, that's good for the franchise. But at the same time, that means that Fields isn't the guy. That means that the communication with Getze and the play calling is bad. That means that the guys that Ryan Poles has gone and, and, and tried to put together this roster, that means that they're not good. And it means that Matt, that Matt Eberflus in his first year in his, as a head coach is in over his head. That's not a good thing. What is good for this franchise is being 500 this year. And you're like, oh, well, why not making the playoffs? If you're 500, what's the point? You're going to have a bad draft pick. You still have your draft pick. They haven't had a first-round pick in a while because no. Ryan Pace sucked, okay, because he traded everything to try to get guys. And now, yes, trading up to get Justin Fields was the move because the quarterback class last year was not good. The quarterback this year is very good. Um, but I will say that being 500 isn't bad. And you said something right there, Chris, where it said they don't have a lot of talent. Also not a bad thing. Because like I mentioned, you have your first round draft pick. You have your second round draft pick. And guess what? You have a butt ton of money. You have over $100 million to spend in free agency. Oh, well, free agency, the guys that spend the most in free agency. Well, they have a lot of money. It doesn't mean they need to spend poorly. They can spend wisely and construct a good football team. That doesn't mean you just have to go blow $100 million on one player. That's not how this works. You can have a lot of money in cap space and make good decisions to improve your football team and take them from a 500 team or just above or just below 500 and turn them into a playoff team. You can do that by spending money in the offseason, by drafting well. And if they're a a two-win team, that's horrible. That's not good. That means you're probably drafting a quarterback because Fields ain't it. You're probably looking at C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Oh, well, yeah, there's nobody good out of Ohio. Oh, you just drafted a kid out of Ohio State. Okay, well, now, who else? Like, th- there's not a scenario that's good for the Bears to be bad. Like, you can't just be an awful bottom-of-the-barrel team. It's, there's going to be growing pains. There's obviously going to be growing pains. But this isn't a, oh, well, Fields was really good. He's the savior. Fields was really bad. You got to move on. This isn't a week-to-week thing. This is a, what does Fields look like at the end of the season? What does he look like in the second half of the season after playing seven, eight games in this new system with Luke Getze? What does this defense look like? Are the young players that were drafted high on the defense, are they playing well? Is this offensive line staying healthy? Are they coming together? Are they providing adequate time for Justin Fields to throw? It's small incremental gains that you want to see throughout the season. I don't care about the end result. Make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs, doesn't matter to me. Win games and don't get blown out. Like, be in games. Be in games at the end. Have an opportunity to be within 10, 7 of a game against good teams. Like, if Christmas Eve, you're playing the, the Bills, right, on Christmas Eve. If you're not getting blown out and it's a, you know, 
24 to 17 game towards the end of that game, that's to me, that's a win. Because last year, you got your ass handed to you when you walked in the building in Tampa Bay. So you're making progress. Like that's the progress of becoming a better football team is competing with the, the better teams, not necessarily winning every game that you're going to face, but be competitive with the Packers, be competitive with the Bills, be competitive with the Cowboys, the good team, the teams that are supposed to be really good this year. That's what I want to see from the Bears. I don't need them to go out and win 12 games for it to be a successful season and win seven or eight games and then it's fine. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and, and I think that's where uh, the national perception and what we saw from Saturday and I think what we'll see for the rest of the preseason is that there's a level of competence uh, now with the coaching staff and the front office, and this team hopefully will be competitive. They're not quite there to, say, make a playoff run, uh, but hopefully things are moving in the right direction. Here on a Tuesday, uh, Matt Eberflus updated the Roquan Smith situation. That is by far the number one storyline that we have covered throughout Bears training camp. Uh, So Roquan Smith was at practice today. He did not participate. He was in the building. He was in the meetings. Uh, But Matt Eberflus, after practice, was asked, is there any update with Roquan Smith? Yeah, you know, obviously I knew that question would come up, and and really I don't have anything. All I can say is that it is where it is right now, and we're day-to-day. Is he in the building? Yes. Is he engaged? Yes. Um, And the next thing I would say that when he practices, and I'm not going to say when that is, when he does, uh, he will be made made available to the media is, is what I understand. Matt Eberflus was also asked the question, as the head coach, do you need to work on your relationship with Roquan to make sure that he doesn't feel as if there's a fraction between the Bears and Smith, the player, and Eberflus kind of stuck in the middle. He needs to get something out of the player when the player eventually returns. He can't have that that friction between the two sides. Here, here's Eberflus. Yeah, I would just I would just say this uh, with all the players: you're always working on relationships, and I know I say that a lot, but it's so important, you know. So we're it's with Roquan and any other player. So um, it's important to keep the relationship and communication open and on the table, and that's what we're we're trying to do day to day with all of our players. Eberflus also talked about: is there any fine for Roquan? He's not practicing. He's healthy. He's in this contract situation. The team, I guess, can find a player for not being available, mm-hmm. even though he's available. Here's uh, Matt Eberflus. Yeah, as as always, we're not going to discuss team discipline. You know, so we're if we if we uh, discipline a player or find a player, all that, we're not going to discuss that up here uh, with the media or with the public. It's going to be in house, internal. Internal, in-house, there you go. The head coach for the Chicago Bears talking about Roquan Smith, the number one storyline in training camp so far. And I I, I would hope that they, you know, a couple podcasts ago here in this uh, Bear Down podcast space, we talked about, like, if there was a date that Roquan needed to be in pads and practicing and playing for him to get ready. I would hope that he's playing in the third preseason game at some point. Like, Like, this needs to get done. And obviously, the Bears hold all the cards in this situation. It's been documented that, you know, like they, he has to play this year for him to be eligible for a new deal because otherwise it just carries over to the next year and then they can franchise him after that and all this kind of stuff. So it's in his best interest to go out there and play even if they don't have a deal. So I would hope that he gets some training camp reps maybe after because there is that two weeks before, uh, after the last game, before the first game of the, of the regular season. 
And so maybe he decides that, you know, I don't need camp and I don't want to play in these meaningless games and risk getting hurt in a meaningless game that I'll come back and practice the two weeks leading up to the first game of the season. And if that's the case, then fine. He just needs to be out there at some point for, for his benefit because you have to play six at least six games in order for this to count as a year of eligibility on your contract. Otherwise, he's, he's screwed, essentially. The Bears are in a situation here, Abdallah, this week where they have a short week here in the preseason. So Saturday, they face off against Stupid. Kansas City. They, on Thursday night, have their second preseason game against the Seahawks. Uh, so Matt Eberflus talked at length today, and I thought this was pretty interesting, and this is why I wanted to bring it back here on the podcast. I don't know if this could necessarily get on to Black and Abdallah hmm. uh, on, the, on the big show, uh, but I think in podcast form, <laughs> the big show. well, yeah, you remember... Uh, well, we only have 30 minutes no, tonight, so... Remember uh, Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman, they oh. used to call the sports centers at night the big show? I love I loved that. Yeah, we're, we're the night show. It's the big that. show, right? Love uh, that. And I don't know if we would have the time for this on the big show, uh, but, but I do think in podcast form, it's something interesting to talk about. Here's Eberflus explaining, with this short week, the 48-hour prep that the team needs to do to get in practice mode for going on a road trip and preparing for a football game. Okay. I thought this was interesting. Here's Matt Eberflus earlier today. We have this thing called 48-hour preparation, and that's 48 hours before the game. Uh, you start thinking about how you're going to perform. Uh, you know, the X's and O's is over. Uh, all the thing uh, preparation now is mental, and we're working with those guys to create that process uh, during these preseason games, and I think that's so important for all the players. Um, because you, you, know, you talk about you know, your job on a particular play, all those things, but you set your mind up for success in the 48 hours prior to. And uh, visualizing success, being successful in plays, um, doing your job the right way in execution, and then you, you know, get to a certain point where you get before the game and then you let it go. You know, sometimes it's four hours before the game, just kind of let things go, and now you just go play disco play so that's so important to be mindful of that and this is really our first road trip together you know going out to seattle and uh there's a lot of good time in there to get that done you know you think about the plane ride in you know and it's that's for coordinators too you know i remember when i was a coordinator shoot i'd be on the plane studying restudying the third downs restudying two minute and again i know we're not in that part in terms of game planning like that, so to speak, right now. But um, it's really a good exercise for our football team to prepare for these road games. We know we got these back-to-back road games uh, during the course of the season, so we're going to be doing those, and we got to be on it. So uh, we're focusing on that, the, the preparation for that, uh, during the course of this uh, short week going into Seattle. Now, the guys that, uh, in terms of playing time for these guys, you know, we plan on playing our ones. Uh, they're going to be out there, and we're going to play. And again, like I said last time, it's an individual basis, and it's a little bit shorter this time because it's a short week. You know, so we're not going to put the stress on the bodies, but we're going to go. You know, you know, six to ten plays, depending on a series or two, uh, with the, with a limited number of guys, and then other guys might get twenty plays, and we'll yank them from there. And then the young guys get, will get a lot of reps, and that's why if you saw the practice today at the end of practice, it was all ones. All ones are practicing because those guys are getting limited reps in the game. And then now what we're going to do with those twos, we got them off their legs, and they only have, really had a half of practice today. You know, you know, so then we're going to work into our normal operation tomorrow, travel um, to Seattle, and then and work from there. 
Okay, so Matt Eberflus explaining kind of the way uh, this week is going to go for the Chicago Bears. Now, I pulled this uh, clip for a couple of reasons. One, I feel as if this is something we've talked about here on the podcast. Uh, and I, I get that until the actual games take place, we could be all led uh, astray and we could be wrong. But it sounds as if Matt Eberflus is very confident in himself and his process, and how he wants to be a head coach of an NFL team. He comes across as someone who's experienced, he knows what he wants to do, and he's implementing that. I liked what he was saying about the mental prep of getting ready for an NFL game, and it just sounds completely different than the way it sounded with the old regime, with Matt Nagy, and I just feel as if I'm comfortable with what he has for this team, and hopefully they will be ready to perform when we get to the regular season. I just think that this is a totally different way things are being handled up there at Hallis Hall this season. Well, yeah, and if you read some of the post-game stuff from the game on Saturday, like he was coaching, but he was more taking notes on the flow of the game and the flow of pregame and the flow of the in the game and the postgame and trying to, you know, make sure that everything has a process and everything is is fluid and guys and, you know, you read quotes from from players who said that everything was different from last year. The stretching was different. The time they left was different and like everything kind of he, you know, he's doing everything himself in his own way, which is good. And I like to see this. It seems like there's more way more of a command on what it what it means to be a head coach than what Matt Nagy was here. Um, and that being said, I hope that it means that the guys will get a lot more run in the third preseason game because you have 10 days off in between and you have two weeks in between that game and the start of the regular season. So this isn't like, hey, they play Saturday and then guess what? Next Sunday they play the 49ers. You have two weeks off. So... I'm not saying I want anybody to go out there and get hurt and risk injury, but this is a thing where you saw some of the plays on Saturday where it was Fields and Mooney's timing, that, mm-hmm. especially that, that, that back shoulder catch. Not really back shoulder. I mean, Mooney was basically flat out on his back when he made that catch in the air. And that comes from timing, and that comes from being familiar with your receivers. And if you've got this put together receiver core because people have been hurt during training camp. I want to see these guys in a game get that those reps together because you can't replicate that as much as you want to try. You can't replicate that in practice. So I want to see these guys in a game, and I know he doesn't want to exert a lot of these guys in a short week, but I'm hoping part of his prep and part of his identity as a head coach is, hey, we're playing our guys in the preseason because – a lot of these guys don't have a lot of familiarity with each other, and we need to get everybody on the same page in a new system. So even on the defense, like we need these guys to play maybe a half into the third quarter in that third preseason game because we have two weeks off in between. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like his approach here sounds different, right? Like absolutely, he he's seen, he he's giving me confidence in the process. Yeah. And and I heard that today, and I was like, okay, that's something we can play for the Bear Down podcast because. I think that's a good example of someone who's never done this before, but he clearly is taking the time to think through how are we going to do all of this stuff. We're Mm -hmm. not just getting on a plane and going to Seattle. The prep starts two days before the game, 
And mentally, you have to know your role, what you're going to accomplish, and all the different uh, aspects of being in an NFL game. So I, th- I heard that from Eberflus today. I thought that was interesting. One other storyline we've uh, kind of focused on here in training camp is what's going on with Tevin Jenkins. He's been at practice the last few days. Uh, the last couple of days especially, he has been kicked inside a guard. Is it possible that Tevin Jenkins is going to play guard and he won't be a tackle for this offensive line? Here's Matt Eberflus talking about kicking Jenkins inside. We're going to look at all combinations. You know, and we, we kicked him inside, and he's been there for a couple of days, right? And he's doing a good job. And we're excited to see where he goes uh, from this forward. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. And this is another combination that we have. We're looking at it, and uh, we'll go from there. Will he work with the ones in Seattle? Uh, we'll see. You'll see when they line up. Regardless. Yeah, because we're still working through all that right now. Yeah, we got time. Someone kind of given his situation right now, though, that might – that would go beyond the six to ten plays to evaluate him at that right guard position. On yeah, he, like any position, you know, if you're not, you know, an experienced guy at your position, we're going to try to get you a little bit more. Um, but that's really at any position. We're going to try to get that. You know, those guys, you know, really don't have a limitation. You know, they might be, some guys are capped at twenty. You know, and some guys don't have a limitation. They can play as much as we want them to or need them to. He has so the little. Fo- he has so little football or NFL experience. I mean, even in practice, I mean, he missed last training camp and missed a lot here. Does that make it harder or easier for him to learn a new position? Uh, I don't know. He's uh, Tevin's smart. Uh, he's very smart, very athletic player. Um, you know, and like, you know, one of my mentors said this, and, and I believe this, and he ingrained it into my mind, is that you never put a ceiling on a player. You know, so you might have, uh, you always have to watch out that as a coach. You don't put a ceiling on him. Let him grow. Okay, let him do his thing because some people mature and grow at different times. And all of a sudden, they just grow into a player you know, and grow into a really good NFL player. And that's for any position. We're never going to put ceilings on guys. We're always going to think the best for every player. That's, you know, the sky's the limit for you. And we're coaching every single player on the roster that way. Have you seen Tevin grow up just in the time you've coached him? Um, you know, I've, I've gotten to know him uh, more um, as a person, as a man. And uh, we're just excited where he is, you know, and, and, and to me, uh, he's growing just like a lot of the young players are. So that's Matt Eberflus talking about Tevin Jenkins. What do you want to put the, uh, the odds at that he is the opening day week one against the 49ers right guard starter? I mean, I put them like minus, like pretty even minus 110, minus I, 105. Like, I think he's going to be the guy because he's not going to be your right or, or left tackle. He's gonna. You have to use his strength and his athleticism somehow, and he's very athletic when he's healthy, and he's very uh, an elite at that position or an offensive lineman when he is fully healthy. We've seen the college tape. We just haven't seen it translate to the NFL because of injuries. So I think if you can use him at the right guard spot, they're absolutely going to. And, you know, like he was asked that, yeah, this could be he could be one of the guys that maybe gets a full quarter at that position just to see what he can do. And then in the third preseason game, maybe gets a little bit longer because they're trying to evaluate everything. But I definitely think and look, it's from from where we started with him at the beginning of training camp. Like this is good to see. He's working. He's practicing. They found a position for him. Like it doesn't matter to me if he's right or left tackle, right or left guard. It doesn't matter. As long as he's out there and he's playing and he's, he's, he's engaged. Well, I, I think it would be huge for the organization if they could somehow get him a position on the line as a starter and you're not wasting that second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you nailed it. He has the talent to do it. 
And it seems as if he and Eberflus have connected here in the last couple of weeks. And since he's been back at practice, again, this is another situation where Eberflus is talking pretty positively about mm-hmm. a player who was on the blank list a couple of weeks ago, right? Like he was not around. He was dealing with an injury. Yeah. Was he requesting a trade? All this different stuff. Now he's actually practicing. And now that he's practicing, the head coach is talking pretty highly about him. And, and I get it. It's, it's highly, but he's also guarded. We'll find out. If I had yeah. to guess right now, Tevin Jenkins will be starting at one of the guard spots. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. And I'd be interested to see what, uh, to hear what Ryan Poles would say at this point. Because he was asked about it, you know, when this all went down and everything else. And what I like about Ryan Poles so far is that as soon as this Roquan Notes app post came out, he met the media. Yeah. It wasn't scheduled. He met the media. So I'm wondering, because Ryan Pace would meet the media before the season and after season, and that was it. I'm wondering if Ryan Poles meets the media again before the season starts, and then maybe throughout the season, maybe at the, you know, during the bye week or the halfway point, or, and then you know, at, right after the season, obviously he will. Um, but I'm wondering if we're going to get more, because I don't think you're going to get more from Eberflus. Like, obviously Eberflus talks when he's supposed to talk. He talks, he'll talk after the games, he'll talk on Monday, he'll talk um, another time during the week, and then he'll talk again after the game. Right? That'll be the flow. That'll be the schedule. And also, when he talks, he's not going to give you, like, a lot. You know, it's very more John Fox than it is Matt Nagy as far as what he's going to give you, which I'm fine with. I don't care. Like, I, you don't need to be transparent with me. That's your you, – sure. don't, don't give me, you know, the company secrets. That's fine. But I'm wondering if Ryan Poles is going to be more transparent than Ryan Pace was and more available to the media and to, to – essentially to the fans because the media wants to talk to him, but also the fans want to hear what's going on with the team from the general manager. I think he has to this point, and Absolutely. it's not like things have really gone his way. No, no, they you know, definitely like, haven't. Like, like, he could have not, like not talked is, after the Roquan stuff. Right, and, and things haven't really been perfect uh, for, for his first offseason. I know there's a lot of bodies that had to come in and out and all these different things that, that you take on when you're kind of taking over a team that just fired everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a reason everyone was fired. It's a dumpster. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we will hear more from Ryan Poles. Um, and I like the way this is trending. I think two weeks ago, we were th- assuming that the Bears would get nothing from Tevin Jenkins. Mm-hmm. It seems as if he's working his butt off in practice, and he might be a starting caliber player on this offensive line, which only helps the depth. And hopefully, you know, we go back to how this conversation started. The conversation started with us reviewing what we saw against Kansas City. They weren't. They didn't do anything great, and I know – Fields got sacked on what that third play from scrimmage, that third down play mm-hmm. where Schofield was pushed right back into Justin Fields. Yeah. And Justin Fields got hit a lot for a player who played 18 plays in his first preseason game. But besides all of that, it actually looked like a cohesive unit out there. Yeah. And this is a team that uh, is probably more 
at the level of the Bears. I think the Seahawks are going to be worse than the Bears will be this season. I don't yeah. think I don't like Drew Locke. I don't think he's uh, up to any level that Justin Fields is. I think the Bears have a lot more talent than the Seahawks do. But this is more the Bears' speed. Like having that first having that first team offense go against the first team defense of the Chiefs was a little. I don't want to say it's unfair that it's the NFL. They're all getting paid, but that's not the way you really want to start with Chris Jones in your face on the third play from scrimmage, right? Uh, if you're Justin Fields, so. I think you might see now it's only going to be, you know, a series or two, depending on how long these series last. Like if the Bears go on a 12 play drive and they score, that might be it for Justin Fields in the offense. So it kind of depends on how it goes. But I would expect them to have a little bit more success uh, against the Seahawks on Thursday night than they did against the Chiefs. And to be fair, they did win the game. Not that it matters, but they did win the game. So Wednesday, uh, the Bears have no practice. They are traveling to Seattle. The Bears will face off against the Seahawks, 7 o'clock game. Uh, That will be Thursday for the second preseason game. They will be off on Friday as well. We will have a new edition of the Bear Down podcast on Thursday. Uh, before the preseason game, and maybe we'll uh, get in here on Friday and, and give a little recap of what we saw from game two. I mean, the starters today, Eber Flusetta, you heard it from him. He said they're only going to play six to ten plays. Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll give a, a shorty pod uh, on Friday. Uh, but uh, there you go. That's the rest of the schedule for the rest of the week. Uh, no practice tomorrow. Bears, Seahawks on Thursday. Check out Blocking Abdal weeknight six to eight right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk to you Thursday for the next edition of the Bear Down Podcast.